good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world or whatever time it is where you are sitting right now, you are much welcome to another episode of The Strength Story. My name is Isabella von Weissenberg and I'm your host of this podcast and I'm really excited about today's conversation. You'll be getting some solid advice and some real talk from business mentor, powerlifting coach, working mother and strength athlete Roisin Hawley. Ro is the owner of Barbell Babes Brigade, women in strength and women who lift. So not one, not two, but three businesses. And she'll tell you exactly how it is. You can just hear the passion that is radiating from her as we talk about business and marketing and the mindset around it all. Definitely make sure that you go follow her on Instagram. Her handle name is Women in Strength. And I really recommend that you sign up for her newsletter. It will deliver some incredible business advice to your inbox. I say that because I've been subscribed for a while and I really love it. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Let's jump into it. As always, message me if anything comes up for you as you listen. Hi, Ro. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Hello. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me, first of all. We were just saying that like, we've spoken for a while. We've known each other for a while, but this is the first time we're speaking in person, which is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> no. And we're like, just to clarify, how do I say your name? Yeah. Ro, Rasheen, good. <laughs> this is the cool thing about social media, though, right? Just like chat and like meet people and you're like, hang on, I feel like I know you, but I've actually never met you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how amazing is it to be able to just launch a podcast and at your fingertips be able to speak to some of the most interesting people that you can think of and learn from them and feel like you know them as friends because you've just had yeah. that contact going over Messenger or Instagram or whatever it is. And yeah, it's nice to say a few positive things about social media sometimes because I feel like I can get into the mindset of I'm a bit over it, I'm a bit sick of it, but you know, in yeah. the end... There are some very, very real relationships happening there. So that's pretty fantastic. There is. I agree. I actually love social media for this exact reason. Like we get to create a podcast. We get to say hey and talk all things business. That's fun. Exactly. And Ro, you're a business mentor and a gym owner. Yes. Yep. I certainly am. I know that you're more than that. <laughs> you're a full, uh, you have the full complexity of a, of a human being, but we'll start there for yeah. now. <laughs> what made you go into business? Oh my gosh. Well, going into business was not like the intention. So what I mean by that is when you do your certifications for Cert 3 and 4 to become a PT, like no shit I didn't actually know that I was going to be running a business like it's not until you kind of get through the whole thing and then you do this last like token business module and have to write a business and like hang on shit what like 
I'm a business owner too. So I never like fully had an intention to become a business owner. My intention was I wanted to get into the industry to become a coach. And then obviously as a coach, I could think I'll work for someone, but I really wanted to do things by myself and create my own, you know, my own style and my own brand and all those things that are important to me. And that's how I got into business. So it's more like, why did I get into kind of personal training as a career? Um, And that was really fueled by my own experiences around like body image, uh, how I felt about myself, the like training that I was doing for the goal of like punishment. I was very much trapped in that frame when I got into the industry. So not like a lot of people that get into the industry that are here to like help with transformations. I actually got into it out of a really shitty place to be quite frank. I wanted to get all the information for myself to like lose as much weight as possible and, you know, really go down that track. So that's how I got into the industry which then just kind of threw me into business. I, I very much came and go, oh my God, I don't actually know what's going, which I think what's going on, which I think a lot of coaches get the start kind of daring the headlights when they're here and going, wow, it's not just coaching. So yeah. Mm. Came for the nutrition advice, stayed for the <laughs> personal development. Stayed for the fun. Stayed stay for, for the fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> and what made you, well, let's, phrase it why do you do business mentoring yeah okay cool so the longer that I stayed in the industry I was so I used to live in Brisbane and I worked in a commercial gym for a couple of years before we relocated to Melbourne with my husband um and I was actually very fortunate that I had a fitness director that was actually very very supportive and you, you know you could go to her she that's can be quite uncommon in a commercial gym like a lot of the time you have a fitness industry there's uh, sorry a fitness director that's not super involved with the trainers but I had one that was just great and she was like my OG like mentor I just looked to her and I was like wow she's a grown-ass woman with children rocking her business so I was really inspired by her from the get-go and she really put me on the path Um, but apart from her like there was not a lot of information back then around running a business or you know even just troubleshooting or having advice and conversations around what to do around sales and you know all of that business stuff that we don't actually get taught so the longer that I stayed in the industry um, I naturally got interested in how to run a business and naturally interested in how to give the best service, best community, best business as a whole for my clients. And then the longer I stayed in, I realized that there were so many coaches that were coming in and out really fast. Like our industry is very much known for a really high turnover. Mm -hmm. And as I stayed in, in the industry, I noticed that it was like a lot of burnout, not necessarily from, you know, the ability to coach with the hours, although that can be something that contributes to burnout, but it's just this like cloud of what am I doing? And so many coaches are always in that cloud of like, I have no idea how to run a business. I am behind in my taxes. It's just that constant mental tabs open. And the longer I stayed and I was like, well, I'm learning lots of, lots of stuff because I was really interested in myself and I wanted to help people. And the longer I stayed and people would then come to me and ask me questions as well. You know, what do I do with this? I've seen you're really good at that. Can I just ask some advice? And so I was like, there's very much a need, but when I got into the industry in 2013, it was not a big thing. Like business mentoring in the in the fitness space was 
kind of non-existent. It's very common now, which is so awesome because coaches need to have that aspect of their career, not just technical coaching as well, which is obviously very important. So yeah, I kind of fell into it because of my own interests. And then I saw that the need that was there because coaches kept coming to me because there were so many great coaches that were exiting. And I'm like, shit, that's a real shame because they have the, the skills, they have the connection, they're amazing with their clients. And it's a shame that people are leaving the industry, not because of their technical knowledge, but it's just because they don't know how to deal with their shit in the back end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm, I have a feeling that would have happened to me uh, at some point if I hadn't eventually gone to work with the team Yeah, and got, yep. got the support yep. that way. Yeah, I truly resonate with what you're saying, that overwhelm, that like, what, what the fuck am I doing <laughs> Like yeah, the like, are there. The it's it's crazy. There. Yeah. So when you started, you you said that you got into the fitness industry, and now that you are an owner of a powerlifting specific gym, was there a trans- transition between general fitness into powerlifting, or was that always part of it? Yeah. No. Absolutely. I never intended to open a gym that was so specific to powerlifting um when i so we've been in our facility since 2017 so we're over four years now and the creation of barbell babes brigade my gym in, in melbourne was very much created for what our ladies needed so we were working in a commercial gym we were they were really naturally getting interested in heavy lifting So I myself got into powerlifting in 2014 and, you know, I was doing my thing just for me. I was so interested in it and I wanted it to be for me. It was my space to do my thing. Right. And then naturally my ladies started just getting really interested in what I was doing. They would ask me questions. They were like sparking this little inspiration and they started to then come to me and be like, Oh, do you think that I could potentially do something like that in the future? And it was just like a real natural progression. So because I, I got involved in it and that was where my interests were going. They were naturally like gelling towards what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So when we started to then, when I started to decide, okay, look, I really want to move out of the commercial space. It was a need because we were starting to dabble with heavier lifts in the commercial space. You know, they were starting to wear knee sleeves. They were starting to wear booty shorts. They were really just doing stuff that was challenging their body. And what was happening in the space, although this gym that I was in was actually a really great commercial gym, like it was, it was, it was cool, but there was a lot of um, gentlemen that would constantly stare at them and it really, really made them feel uncomfortable. And, you know, they're coming to the gym and they just want to wear shorts so they can put their knee sleeves on properly. And that back in 2015, 16 was kind of like, not a normal scene to see in a commercial space, although it's so common now, which is awesome. Mm. You know, you'd have our group of ladies doing their thing and then guys would kind of come up and situate themselves and just stare at them. And although it's not necessarily always like, you know, a, a pervy thing or like it was more sometimes from curiosity as well. I don't think it was also like them wanting to make them feel uncomfortable, but it was making them feel uncomfortable. Um, and there's, I remember distinctly one event that happened that was like, kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Um, one of my girls was squatting and she was literally warming up. She was doing like 95 kilos for a single or something. And this guy came behind her and she was literally coming out of the hole when he like almost took the bar off her back and like pushed her into the rack. And he's like, oh, darling, you shouldn't be lifting any more than that. And I was like, stuff like that started to happen. Like we'd get comments like, oh, don't lift too heavy, you know, 
just just them coming in and giving their two cents. And although, like, again, it wasn't necessarily they were being malicious or wanting to make them feel uncomfortable, they did. And I was just like, you know what? They're wanting to continue to explore that. And I just, this is not gelling with where we're wanting to go. And that's why I decided to open up my own space to give them that space to truly explore the training modality that they wanted to do without having these looks and, you know, without feeling uncomfortable wearing shorts and all that kind of stuff. So that's what we did is we opened the facility so they could do that. And at that point in time, it was still very much like general strength training. Like I didn't have anyone that was competing in powerlifting, although we did the power lifts, it wasn't training that was specific to that modality. So we did that and we just kept going. And naturally, as they kept going more and more and lifting more and more, they just got interested in it. And then one of my girls, I remember it, it was um, Prue and my other client called Auntie. They were like, do you think we could actually do that? And we actually did our first novice comp at PTC in South Melbourne. Oh. And that's when I took like three to four ladies to the first novice comp because I, I had done a sanctioned comp, but I was like, I don't really know how to do this for anyone else but myself, right? And so we dabbled in that and then it just kind of grew from there. So even in our facility now, we very much have a big competition base, but we also have a lot of ladies that completely start from the beginning. Hmm. So it was to where we are now with our competition team, it's just their individual progressions and journeys of them getting into strength training. That's how we kind of got to where we are. So I never went and going, look, we're going to produce a gym or have a gym that will allow competitions. It just kind of happened. And I was actually very resistant to it for ages because I was like, I don't know how to comp coach. Like, you know, imposter syndrome so much. I was just me getting into powerlifting and wanting to do it for myself. I really didn't think that I knew enough around powerlifting to coach someone else about it. So I was like, no, 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 let's just do our thing, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, the need just kept calling and calling and calling for them. And then we've seen this massive blob of ladies getting into powerlifting, which is women want strength sports. Mm. So I had to really embrace and like recognize my imposter syndrome so that I could step into the coach because my ladies wanted that. They wanted to explore what I was exploring as well. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That thing with imposter syndrome, I know it's, it's can be quite uh, run deep with a lot of people and be very complex, but that shifting from, it's not about me. It's what it's about other people and what they need that can, that can be so relieving in a way of getting, getting through that. Yeah. It can like totally pull you through. Right. Because imposter syndrome is me, myself and I. So the more that we're focusing on me, myself and I, and not getting out of our bubbles, the people that are speaking to us, like that can just be that catalyst that like fully pulls us out. Mm, Yes. Uh, imposter syndrome is something that I do bring up with most of the guests that come on because I hear, I'm sure you hear it too, but like, it's just something you hear constantly, constantly people struggle with. And we know that it helps to hear (coughs) our mentors uh, share that they have experienced it too. Um, Is this something that you've worked through in, in, in other business aspects as well, aside from the coaching uh, platform coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Like that was definitely when I got into comp coaching, that was one of the first real experiences that like stopped me in my tracks and then stopped my growth, you know, stopped where I wanted to stop where I wanted to go. Um, one of the most recent ones that I've come up with was when I became a mom and I still go through it quite a lot with imposter syndrome around being a mother and a working mother. Like I genuinely feel like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing when it comes to motherhood half the time. Um, and especially like merging business and motherhood, I feel sometimes like I can't give fully to my business or sometimes fully to motherhood as well. Mm -hmm. So 
even though, you know, people make comments to me around how amazing I, I make it look. And I'm like, I'm just fucking trying to through my days, man. So I, I definitely go through it now as well. It's not necessarily from a business capacity. It's from the merging of the two things. Like, cause it was such a big, like identity change for me. And I've been a mother for, she's almost four now. Mm. And it took me ages to even like identify with the mother thing. Like I never it's like a yearning to have a child mm. um and even you know I didn't really I didn't even really feel like a mother until about a year in until I had been like okay this is what's going on I can actually take that title of mother and feel comfortable with it so that was an experience and then now even merging these two things I still very much go through it and my imposter is very much around a working mother and making both of those things work so yeah, yeah. What what advice would you give to someone in that situation? Oh, um, working mother, yeah, like for those, if anyone's listening who's a mother, it's truly the fucking hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. Like it's just, it's so loaded all the time, right? And the way that I try through my journey as a mother and like trying to just live the life of, of mother and business owner is I, I really just try and do it like my way. So I try not to get like wrapped up in how a mother should look, how she should be, how she should act, what she should do. And I really just come back to like the things that are important to me. So I know for me, being a business owner, being someone that lifts and puts invest time in for her own lifting is important. It's important for me to be available to my team. Um, you know, I still want to be a, a business owner that still coaches because I enjoy coaching. So I still coach at nighttime even that, that means I don't do bath time and all that kind of stuff. And I still sometimes get comments around, you know, oh, who's looking after your child or like, isn't it hard on your husband and stuff like that. And to not then take those comments and then go into imposter syndrome, like, you know what? Yeah, they're fucking right. I very much have to stay in my lane of what are my values? What are important to me? Like, what is the stuff that fulfills me and like lights my fire? Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. There's so much. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot of ancient history <laughs> expectations here as well. Yeah. 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 And, exactly. and, yeah. And taking away, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but also taking away from your child's other parents what their wants and needs are as well and what they are capable of. Like, 100%. Yeah. Like my husband is completely opposite to me. So I'm like very extroverted in an open setting that I enjoy. However, at home, I'm very quiet and introverted. Um, I'm very go-getter, action taker. He's very methodical, quiet, like very opposite to me, which is why we do amazing together. Um, but I know that if I were there every single night, I would be like, I'm doing this. This is bath time. Eat your veggies. You know, I know that I would take control because that's naturally how I am. Mm. And this is some of the work that I had to do to help me get through some of this imposter syndrome is around me not being at home in the nighttime. What does that allow my husband and my daughter to do? Bond, connect, him to step up as a father, as a parent, because we're equal parenting here. So that was literally a task that I've done when I've been in those spaces around, okay, what is my not being allowed them to do and achieve? Yeah. Um, so that, that can kind of help. And it's given him that space to be such an amazing father. Like he is so hands-on. He knows like how to do her hair and what she loves and all these things that a parent does. And I love that we have the ability to do that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, it just strikes me as so incredibly odd. Like I'm sure you've heard how 
fathers can get comments like, oh, you're babysitting today? Like, how hurtful is that? What are you talking about? Oh, my God. It's yeah. so weird, right? Like, no, I'm just parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I imagine still, like, I can, I, I will have to put on my imagination hat here, not being a parent myself, but that time management gets to another level. As a business owner, time management is already a thing if you want to manage hobbies mm. and athletic career because I know that you're a lifter as well. And then parenthood on top of that. Um, do, <clears throat> can you shed mm. some light on how you organize yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, I don't know what the fuck I was doing with my time before I had Lexi. Like, because your time is more scarce and because, well, actually not scarce. Like, it's not a scarcity thing. It's just limited, Right. And because now my time is limited, I am just way more effective in my blocks of time. Like, you know, I'm just going in going, this is what I need to do today. This is what I need to get done. It might not be 100% how I want it, but it's like the best, better kind of practice. Like it needs to get done. A lot of my work now is I look at stuff and I'm like, that could be better or I could be doing that a different way. But at the end of the day, like done is better than the best or the perfect, which doesn't exist. Mm. So I've definitely found that since having Lexi, I'm actually way better with my time. I have less time to do on my business, but I actually have more businesses than ever. I'm getting stronger than ever. I'm doing my own personal pursuits. Um, I've got a, you know, a bigger team than I've ever had, but I'm still able to be more effective because I've got these slots. So it just means that I very much direct my time. Like, this morning before I met with you on um, on our, our podcast, I always have like a daily that I will just like recalibrate my thoughts. Like I just literally sit at my desk. I just have five minutes to just sit and go, okay, cool. What is actually going on today? And it's not a to-do list. It's more a like centering list of like, what are the tasks that are going to push me forward today? Where does my energy need to be invested? So I'm just stopping and going, all right, cool. This is what we need to get done today because it's like tasks and management type stuff but this is what you also want to do to keep you full. So I'm always just every single day centering with myself so that I can actually like be present in that hour block. Because if I'm not present in that hour block, then an hour just goes goes like that and nothing gets done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have time to get stuck in analysis paralysis. You just need to get... No, I don't. Yeah, and like this, you know, this like what's the day today? It's Thursday the 27th of May. We're probably going into lockdown again tonight, let's be real. Mm. And I was like listening to the radio as we're driving in and I could feel like, you know, I could feel my shoulders up. I could feel a little bit of racing heart and I was dropping Lexi off to childcare and I was just like, okay, cool. Lexi was chattering away and I was just really quiet and she actually goes to me, mama, why are you not talking to me? And I said, I'm sorry, darling, I'm just thinking. So I was just really like trying to sit with these emotions because it was feeling stressful, right? Like I don't, I have a gym. I don't want to go into lockdown again, but it's probably going to happen. Mm. So as I then was dropping her off, I dropped her off at childcare and I came to the gym. I sat down and that five minutes of centering was really important because otherwise I wouldn't be able to speak to you mm. or take a meeting after this or do all these other things that I need to do. So mm. that centering at the start of the day is like really important for me for my actual time to be effective. Because, you know, we can have 10 minutes of time or two hours of time and we can, you know, we can do some good work or we can do some real shit work in that time. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Mm. How important is your personal energy on a day-to-day basis? I suppose that's the biggest question you always got to ask yourself as a, as, a, as a business owner or as a coach or employed by someone else working with other people. What, what are you radiating and how 
strongly have you managed to align yourself with the reason behind what you're doing, what you're doing? Because that's easy to stray away from, like, pretty quickly if you're not Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it's so, you know what it's like, too. You have so many things to do. There's always things to do in business. We always have multiple hats to wear. We go from accountant sometimes to fucking coach in the moment to, you know, like strategists it's there's just lots of different things that we do so if we can't manage our own energy and not just manage I think just more interpreting our energy and understanding where we land from day to day Mm. um it just that's when that stress and overwhelm and confusion can kind of come in so when I'm working with myself and self-coaching me or working with my my ladies in a mentoring capacity a lot of the work we're doing is understanding how they operate understanding their thoughts understanding you know, what actions they take out of their thoughts and feelings because that shit matters. Like, it really, really matters with the success of your business. Mm. The the ladies that you are, correct me if I'm wrong there, the, I'm, you have, you, you're a business mentor for women. So I'm not saying that wrong. Yeah. Yes, okay. <laughs> so the people that you are a business mentor for, what do you find that they are struggling with the most or what, what discussions come up the most? Yeah. So the discussions, like if I think about it, my head always goes, if we think about umbrella and then it kind of zeroes down, um, there's always like umbrella topics. So it can be things like sales, um, payments, all that kind of stuff. Like that can be an umbrella topic. Another umbrella talk can be things like finances, backing management, um, you know, accounting, like all of that adult responsible business ownership stuff. That's another big topic that always comes up. Um, another big topic that always comes up is like their voice, their like what they're wanting to put put out and what they believe in in their business, how they want their business to look, represent, etc. So those are the big like major topics that I talk about. They all kind of funnel down into very specific things that keep reoccurring. So what I mean by that is if I am sales and, you know, having conversations around money and payments and stuff like that, themes that can kind of come up in that respect is, you know, judgment, um, judgment from others that then ties into them wanting to step away from sales. Like they get uncomfortable having to bring up why session and that it's going to be charged. So although the topic and pricing and stuff like that that's not it Mm. it's around judgment of others getting uncomfortable being direct you know taking charge of their business that's the stuff that's really if we tackle that then going to allow them to have those those conversations and take those actions does that make sense yes yes 100 yeah you know if you think about um the other one which is like finances and back end and you know setting up structures and systems in their place I, that's huge. Like I speak and teach about that a lot with them, but that's not it. The underlying things that are there are, you know, pulling the shit out behind the rug, looking at their expenses, look at where they're frivolously spending. Um, a lot of money mindset stuff starts to come up. A lot of self-worth stuff starts to come up. Confidence in their abilities, not good enough as a coach. And that all manifests into their ability to not go ahead and fucking look at their bank accounts every single week or not do their, you know, reconciliations in zero every single week. Mm. So when, when we look at these things and when we genuinely have conversations about that, that's when we start to see these things happening as opposed to going this, tackle this first and then leave that behind. So mm. that's why I find that 
I work with coaches that are new to the industry up to, you know, six years in the industry. And it's the same themes, like it's the same underlying development, mindset, thoughts, feelings type things that are coming up that are influencing their behavior. So that's, that's some really constant one um, around, you know, like their branding and their representation in the industry and what they're wanting to do. Oh, there's lots of stuff coming up around, you know, am I good enough? Is, am I a good enough coach? What will others say? Um, fears around, you know, people making comments on their posts, all that kind of stuff. So people might be surprised that this is what I coach and it's, you know, although it's business, like business is personal. And if there's things on a personal level that we don't feel like we can integrate ourselves into, then your business suffers over and over and over again. Yeah. So if I came to you today and I said, look, I love working with people and I love watching people grow and gain strength and seeing the smiles on people's face when they said a PR, but the thought of putting myself out there online just makes me want to vomit. So I don't do it. Mm. What would you tell me? Where would you start? <laughs> what would I tell you? Where would I start? Oh my gosh. Well, actually where I, where I would not start is, so when I think about these two things, so I think about an external world and an internal world. So the external world is the things, is the doing, is the strategies, is the frameworks, is the back end finances, right? And then the internal world is the mindset, the thoughts, the feelings, the behaviors that come from it. Depending on where that person is at in their development journey or how like, not not how open are they to it, but like what's their level of like awareness around themselves and their behavior. So if someone doesn't have any level of development around their own emotional intelligence, I wouldn't jump into the internal world straight away because it's really like gray and confusing, right? It gets worse before it gets better. So I wouldn't necessarily go, all right, we're going to fucking look at every single reason why you're not posting. What are you afraid of? Who's going to fucking bite you? Who's your haters? That kind of stuff. Because they don't have a language around personal development or, or awareness. So we would start to look at some external strategies first because it's more appropriate for their language. We would start to really get some good stuff going with respect to what's happening. It might be a little bit of internal world, but they don't actually know it so that they can start to see some positive reinforcement before we start to jump into some of the stuff. It would really depend on like your language as a person. Mm. Almost like increase competence a little bit before you increase confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, as coaches, when we're working with lifters, mm -hmm. before we load a, a heavy barbell, we're going to get competency. We're going to get competency around reading a program, understanding how to head a, like read a tempo, um, all that literacy of being a good lifter before we even start loading the bar. It's the same as business ownership. Like I'm going to give them some literacy around how, like what kind of questions to ask themselves, what kind of topics to even put on their lens because until we do that, we can't attack some of that high level stuff. It's like Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like mm -hmm. we have to have like basic needs shit before we go into self-actualization. If we think about a pyramid, it's the same kind of thing. What literacy do we need to have? What questions do we need to open? What lens do we need to spark so that you're more open and you can actually understand some of the shit that we're going to break into, which is further on. And that doesn't take that long. Like I'm currently working with my um, 
like my current ladies in our power program six months I work with them for six months we're like week 10 and some of them don't necessarily haven't necessarily had that like lens before so we've been really massively doing that over the last kind of four the first four weeks and now I'm really starting to see that lens that's open they're starting to strategize and articulate some of these questions now they're coming to me and going yeah fucking wake the shit shit up like they can identify this now because we've gone and done that literacy type stuff yeah yeah yes okay so what comes to mind for me is in 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 the world of marketing say that there are thousands millions i don't know how many courses in marketing or business out there and some of them will start you know with the mindset aspect and i always find that if the first thing you do is define what you offer define what you offer <laughs> define what problem you're solving for people define how those people are articulating that problem and how you yourself can articulate your solution and where where those two ends meet a lot of the mindset is just automatically solved because you can see black and white that you have a solution for something and it's not that complicated yeah so people come into business yes sometimes just with the love for the sport and no real clear idea of what their actual service is uh you know coaching quote unquote <laughs> that's quite broad yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so then you start looking at well what does your service actually entail and how does that actually meet the needs of the people that you're working with and who are those people specifically mm-hmm. suddenly a lot of you know a lot of that gray area of like oh i'm not worthy i can't i can't help anyone because i'm not good enough it just gets solved because you you can like you literally can you can see that's a hundred percent a hundred percent and that's funny that you like not funny like that's actually struck that that doesn't make sense at all but what you just said is exactly it like when i worked with these these ladies that i'm talking about for the last 10 weeks some of the first work that we're doing is talking about their clients just like looking at their clients now what do you do? What are they getting from you apart from a program? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what are the feelings that they have? Because you're right. Like I'm giving them some external questions, but they are mingled with internal world because we're directing them to start to open that lens. And now this client has got the lens on of, okay, they're actually not getting powerlifting programming. They're getting a sense of confidence or capability or world strength and all that kind of stuff. And now they have that first little lens and they can then start to open some more internal questions so that's why i love starting with that type of work is let's go to your business who are you working with now what are you doing what do they get from you why do they keep coming back to you that's going to allow us to get from here to here a lot easier than going hey you know why are you not um doing your finances every single week what are your money mindset beliefs it's just too fucking hard like mm, yeah and it's, I don't know what it was like for you, but when I got into powerlifting and got a sense of potentially wanting to be a powerlifting coach, I was comparing myself to some really big names and without really any clue of where they started or how they worked with people or their educational background or, or what systems they were operating in. You're new to this industry and then you hear of people like Shaco and... <laughs> Mike to share or whatever you're like I, I don't I don't have all that how could I even start but then what you're missing is you're not even asking questions with the people closest to you that that are looking to get help from you yeah absolutely and I think that's actually why um a lot of people resonate with me as a mentor because I'm like like one step ahead of them like I'm still going through the same shit that they're going through do you know what I mean like I'm one of them I'm the same I'm a business owner I'm in the 
I'm in the thick of it just like they are. You know, yeah. a lot of the people that I work with have either been in commercial gyms or going through that and they're wanting to do similar stuff to what I've done, but it's not like I'm up here and they're here and they can't see that middle gap. That's why I think people do resonate with me in this space because I'm like relatable. Like I'm just doing the same shit that you're doing and mm. I'm struggling too and we're all going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go at it again. Um, I'm your, I'm your client again. <laughs> so I come to you and I say, sales is sleazy and marketing is manipulative. Mm-hmm. What do you tell me? <laughs> What do I tell you? Oh my God. I I'm getting free coaching here. About how I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I love sales so much. Like I will just, my first inclination is just to talk to you in a conversation around what sales can be like, how sales can look, how sales can feel, because I too had that same experience. Like when I got into sales, I didn't want to go down that manipulation, you know, person one, person two, really fire, what's this outcome looking golden? And then what's this thing that you don't want to be? Like, it just feels very, yeah, very icky to me. That's how I got into it. So now when I've learned to be better at conversation and read humans better and have more of a, a level of personal development as a lens, as a business owner, that's what I've been able to use in sales. And when I say use it in sales, like I'm not using it for the sole purpose of going, I'm here to understand you as a human being, human being in order to sell to you. My sales is we're going to have a conversation and if it fucking fits, then cool. Because at the end of the day, this is still my life. Like I'm in the fitness industry. I'm running a gym. I'm running a mentoring business. I'm like, this is my life. I come to my gym every single day and I want to enjoy my work as well. So If I'm feeling icky every single day when I'm having to sell, like that's not enjoyable to me. I'm not in flow. You can tell it in my voice. Mm. So reframing sales and realizing that it's literally a genuine fucking conversation. It's so fucking powerful because when I think about someone coming into our gym and they're, you know, inquiring about training, like you have no idea until you meet that person and sit down what their experience has been like with strength training. What have they been through? What have they been looking at on social media for years? How do they feel inside? Like we have the opportunity as a coach and a business owner to literally change the trajectory for someone. And that's so fucking powerful. That's why coaching is such an amazing career. Mm. We have the ability to like help mold someone and change their life. Like it's not just strength training or powerlifting coaching or getting on the platform, although that's the tangible that they achieve, it's like all the other stuff that comes with someone getting on the powerlifting or on the platform, right? It's like them taking their medal to work and showing everyone in the office and they're like, oh my God, you're so strong. Like it's someone having the ability to do something and share conversations that's outside of their normal world. And that's the that can only be achieved through sales. That's fucking powerful. So mm. that's where I'd basically start is just opening a conversation that's different around sales. I'm not going to start to go, here's a step-by-step guide with you. Let's run through a script. I'm going to show you my passion around sales because I genuinely believe how exciting sales can be in a different way. And I don't think sales is talked about. Like talk, We talk about that a lot in sales. It's always going, what's the step? What's the script? What can I follow? Although that can be important and that can help a lot of people, we have to change the energy. We have to change the reframe around it. So that's where I'd basically be starting. Mm. What I hear you saying here is the, the fundamentals of understanding who's coming to you and shifting out of this is about me and I'm selling something to 
what is, who is this person? Where are they at? And what transformation is going to happen for them as they are entering my world and my service? Yes. And that's like, so when I think about myself as a business owner, my job is to serve, right? So that is how I view myself as a person. I'm here because I love this work and I'm here to help serve someone. And serving is not being a, a martyr. Serving is not giving someone the answers. Serving is not like holding their hand. Serving is allowing a space and energy for them to feel it and recognize it themselves. Mm. So when I think about selling or doing anything in business ownership or anything in coaching, I am just here to serve. So I'm here to serve the client. It takes it away from me because it's not about me. It is about the client, whether it's lifting, whether it's business, it's about them. What do they want? What do they desire? What's important to them? What are they struggling with? And I'm just facilitating. Like all I'm doing is being that person that just pulls stuff that's already out, like pulls pull stuff out of them that's already there. Because if they didn't have it, like our worlds probably wouldn't collide. Like the clients that come to me, if they've already got those inclinations of their energy or the inclinations to want to do better in their business and a growth mindset, that kind of stuff, they've come into my sphere. I'm not, I'm not going to encounter people that are like, you know, uh, I can't be fucked with life. They're just not going to resonate with me at all. So because we already got that instant attraction, like they have that shit there, right? I just need to help them get it out. Like I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the one that's like essential for them to bring it out. They've just resonated that with me at that point in time. And I think that's important to note because people that feel like they're not somewhere in their business, they're like, I can't do this. Yes, they can because they've already seen these sparks. Otherwise they wouldn't come in to resonate with me. I'm just helping them pull it out. I'm not teaching them that it has to be done this way. They have it all already. It's like sales and coaching is actually quite similar. With coaching, your job isn't to chuck advice at people and just tell them stuff. Your job is to pull the information out of them and make them, you know, write their own story, write their own narrative, (laughs) come up with their own solutions, get to the end through their own their own inner work. It's not me like go here and this will happen for you. It's more like why is that important for you and how do you want to get there? You know. And yes. sales, oh my like, gosh. Hey, take this product. You need it. <laughs> it's more like, what do you yeah. need? How can I help you? How can I guide you with this thing that I offer? You know? Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think like as a business owner, right? You, let's just say someone does a course and they get given everything that they need to set up a spreadsheet for finances to do a sales script to just basically populate everything. Although some of those tools can be very helpful. If someone would have absolutely everything, here's your manual on how to do a business. All we need is for you to fill in the gaps for your business. To me, that's a disempowering movement because when a struggle comes up, they're not going to be able to articulate it themselves. It's like, you know, if a client were to be on a meal plan, right? And they were going on holiday and they didn't understand how to make decisions themselves. They're going to feel shit. They're going to freak out. They're going to, you know, blow out because they haven't been taught how to how to approach it or how to live a life. It's the same with business ownership. So if I'm not helping my clients to understand how to ask questions, to open up lenses, to follow rabbit holes, like that to me, it's just my style of mentoring. I don't feel like I'm doing anyone a service by doing that. It's my job to actually coach you, mentor you through that program for however long we work to. And I actually want to see you go and do some shit yourself. Although that doesn't mean they might not need support in the future, they might still need more mentoring for support, accountability, next level up, all that kind of stuff. But at least they can then come to you as a mentor and be like, These are, this is where I'm at. This is my struggle, but I still need some help to pull it out. 
that's like that's the way I like to work. That's the client I want to. I'm not here to hold their hand. I'm here to stand alongside them, and they're gonna they're gonna drive it. Mm, yeah, and you you can just picture the the difference between having come to a conclusion yourself through a little bit of guidance from someone else versus being told what to do. That sense of empowerment and how much buy-in you would have in that decision-making if you yourself was the one that came up with the the way to 100%. go forward. Yeah. That's fucking liberating, right? Like when you make the decision for yourself and you, even if it's wrong, like even if it fucks up, but you've still done it for yourself and you still feel comfortable in the decision that you've made, regardless of the outcome. That's business ownership, right? Like for us to be a business that a business owner that keeps going and going and going, we have to be able to go, you know what? This is the shit that I've got. This is the information that I've, I'm getting. I'm going to make this decision based on that and I'm going to feel confident on what I'm doing, even if it fucking goes wrong. Because that's where business owners get stuck, right? They don't make decisions. They get into indecision. And then they just loop back over and over again and wonder why they're not pushing forward because they're not willing to make a decision based on what they got because they're not, they don't have any language around that. They haven't had an experience with it. Mm. And this is exactly how I'm like approaching my day today because we are going to lock down at some point. Right. And I have to go, all right, cool. Like this is how I feel. Like I have some feelings in my shoulders. I have this, you know, heartbeat that's going, but we get our information we see what's going to go on. We make the decisions best with what we've got. And if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. But we've got some other options from there. Because if I sit in indecision and I've got my full gym and my full community waiting on me because I'm the leader, mm. who am I to then like, I'm not going to help anyone if I'm sitting here going, oh shit, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I know what to do with what I've got. And that's what people need in these times, right? Like people just need someone to keep going through and if it's your business you're that someone you are the leader of your business regardless of if you think about yourself or not like that your clients look to you they want to know that what you're doing is in the best solution for them and then you just go and make that decision so I think it's just so empowering to be a business owner that can make decisions Mm. um and and I think that it just brings so much sense of like this is liberating this is freedom this is this is me taking fucking ownership Mm. Being able to do that, I imagine you would have to have a great deal of acceptance around the potential, the potential risk of things going wrong and making mistakes, sometimes even big mistakes. Yeah. Would you be able to share any mistakes that you've done in the past <laughs> and what you've learned from them on how that felt for you in the moment? Oh, I've made me a mistake. Hmm. What's the first thing that kind of comes to my head? I think like, because this is like in my head right now because of lockdown, right? You know, for those that don't know, Melbourne went through lockdown for a very long time last year. Um, we had like three different lockdowns and every lockdown that we had for the gym, for my gym, um, I took different paths each time. The first major lockdown that we did, I fully like transitioned all of our training online. Um And what I meant by that is I didn't necessarily change anything around pricing. I didn't change anything around structure too much. We basically went, how can we make this the same and then go ahead and put that online? My gym was cleared out. There was nothing in this facility, right? Which was quite a little bit different to the second lockdown, what we did. Second lockdown, we changed our programs. We reduced prices. We still sent all of the equipment out, but we changed it a little bit depending on the needs. Now, as I'm actually 
telling you through this, I've got some thoughts are kind of sparking. I, I think the mistake that I made in that first lockdown is I didn't recognize some things that I think were not on my lens. So even though it was a fuck up, I, I still made the decision with the best information that I had at that point in time. Mm. I really think in hindsight now that I should have reduced prices back on that first lockdown. Um, I should have like changed our programs a bit earlier and completely pivoted it as opposed to just like taking what was in person and then putting it online. Um, and what that meant is that we still had a really good retention rate. We were able to like keep the business kind of going, but I think it was probably too much load on the ladies for the first lockdown. So I felt like that was a bit of a mistake. Mm. I felt like I could have streamlined it a little bit more for what they were actually getting and what they were like experiencing because we didn't know how much like zoom fatigue was right. Like no one knew how long, the longer you spend on zoom, the more fatigue you get. Mm. And by the time that they were getting to us to train, like they've been on it all day. So I just wish, not wish, but that was kind of the mistake that I made is that taking more of that time off because they didn't actually need it. They didn't need to be on computers more. Yeah. And what I did is I recognized that between that lockdown and then I did change it because I was like, I fucked up. Like, I think I made them more exhausted at times, more tired, more, you know, edgy. Mm. And then I just pivoted. So I just, it happened. And I felt like that was a mistake on my behalf because it's not just about money and business. It's about how my community is feeling. So I just made the decision and then changed it in the second lockdown. It wasn't like I didn't do it wrong. It wasn't that I had any shortfalls. I just did what I thought was best at that point in time with the, you know, the information that we were given. Mm. So things happen and it's not like anyone was like, you did the wrong thing or, you know, you made this really unenjoyable or anything like that. It was very a very great time for us as a community, but there was definitely things that I could have done better. Um, but I just, I just, that's all I think it's just forgiveness. Like I literally did what the best that I could do with what I had at that point in time. Yeah. And I imagine that, yeah, that's so hard to remind yourself of. Sometimes you, you think in hindsight, like I should have been able to see that coming, but yeah, you know, (laughs) Well, it was my first pandemic, so maybe the next pandemic will be better. <laughs> I'm so much more experienced now for this one that's going to happen today. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, being very mindful of your time, I, will have, I, want, I just want to explore one last thing with you because I am so in love with the content you put out. I love your newsletter. Your Instagram is fire and you have a way of expressing yourself that just resonates really, really well. And your branding is on point, not to mention just like the aesthetics, everything looks so Thank nice. you. I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, how, how important is this content creation aspect of being a powerlifting coach or a coach? <laughs> it's, I think it's really, really important because we know that the industry is flooded, right? There are so many options for people now which is actually really, really fucking good. Because I think sometimes when we think about the fitness industry, we go into this nutshell of it's saturated, it's flooded. How am I ever going to get forward? If we think about what it takes to run a business, if you're a sole trader or you're a, you know, you and a couple of coaches, if you think about how many people you're actually going to serve in your community, it's very unlikely that it's going to be thousands of people. Mm. You know, I know the numbers in my community. I know that I'm never, ever going to have more than the most maximum of 150 people within my immediate community. It's just not going to happen because of the way that I want to run business. I don't want a team of 10. I want to have a smaller team. And because of that, because of what's important to me, I know that that's my capacity with the amount of people that I can serve at one point in time. So if I think about it, 
maximum 150 people ever. Like I don't need to be speaking to the masses. I only need to be speaking to the people and serving the people that actually resonate with me. Mm. And I used to try and market and brand and write content to everyone because I wanted to be the coach that was, or the business owner that gave all the information, right? That was the one that got their stuff shared on all of the different, you know, you you share it on stories to increase your authority and increase your reach and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And it was so unauthentic to me. Like when you would read it, it would sound like someone else. Whereas when I'm talking to people, like people know what I talk like and who I am. And there was a disconnect. There was an integrity loss there. There was no authenticity. So I just was like, you know what? Like it is exhausting trying to be this like online persona to just get recognized or to get spread or have a more followers or all of that kind of stuff. And I was just like, I'm just going to do this. Like I've shown that with my gym, we have 1,500 followers on my gym uh, Instagram account and we're at capacity. Like you do not need to have a full X amount of people to go ahead and create a business. You just need to have those core people that genuinely resonate and generally hit with you. So when it comes to branding and content, that's what I encourage people to talk about and write and, and create is shit that's you because you don't want to get someone coming to the gym and being like, holy shit, I didn't know you swear as much as you do because you wouldn't get that online. Mm. I'm like, no surprises here, motherfucker. It's like, this is me, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to coach like that. So that's that's what I want people to remember is that like to create a huge business that's successful to you and your version of success is very specific to you, right? Mm. You just got to find your people and your people, they will hear you. They'll be able to cut through all of the noise, all of the flood, all the saturation if you speak, that's authentic to you. Everyone else would be like, who is this crazy bitch? But the other people will kind of come in and that's all you need. So branding what you're putting out there is really important because if you put something out there that's super curated or the language you use, the tone of voice that you use, you might end up getting clients that are like straight laced as fuck and then get really offended by your swearing. That's mm. not fun to come to, right? Like that's not a coaching kind of style that I want to be involved in. I want to be involved in mentoring and sessions that, we have that bounce off. We have that banter because that's enjoyable to me. So you've got to be true with your branding and you've got to like write copy and write content that is just, it's real, it's honest and like put your spark in it, in it. not yep. for the sake of doing it, but just because that's what's genuine to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the people listening, when people, a lot of people hear branding, they think what font, font they use and what brand colors they use. but like to clarify if that feels uh, unfamiliar for anyone branding is or your personal brand your brand is essentially how people feel when they encounter you so it's not the font can affect that definitely yeah <laughs> but that's not all yep. yeah it's the uh, it's the vibe no. that you up, yeah or the message that you present it's, and I think with branding like I don't know how you feel about it, but I think tone of voice in branding is like one of the biggest things in branding. Like if you, if the tone of voice that you're putting through with your, your content is coming through in a certain way, like people will know when they read a post from me just because that's how I talk, right? As opposed to like my color scheme or my font, which is important. Like, you know, the, the dark impactful fonts that I use, I'm not necessarily going to use like curly kind of decorative stuff because it's just like, I'm like that kind of person, but your tone of voice will be received and cut through time and time again. And that's like such a big branding piece. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. This is, I love, I love hearing about this. I'm personally all over the place at the moment because I'm pivoting. So my, my identity crisis online is for real this time. (laughs) So it's a good lesson for, 
everyone, no matter what level you're at, to to remind yourself, like when you're new, yeah. what you want is validation. You just want to be validated. And somehow that can translate into wanting quantity in validation. So the more people say that this is good, the better. But that is just not the case. It's It has to be the right people validating that the message is getting mm-hmm. through. And those people aren't your industry mm-hmm. peers. Those aren't your colleagues, usually. They, they are the people that you can... Oh, my God. Yeah. That's such an important point, right? Like, so many coaches write content for their colleagues yeah. and they do not write content for who they're trying to serve. And I'm just like, I get it because it is, you know, it does give us a clue around validation wanting to be heard and seen and, like, you know, really be seen as someone that's putting some stuff out there. But at the end of the day, like, you still have a business that's, we're in a service-based industry. Mm. And if you're serving your colleagues and they're not your clients, because your business might be, you know, you're a coach that coaches coaches, okay? Yeah. But if it's not a business that is coaching coaches, like you are just just getting recognized as a good, knowledgeable coach, but your business is shit. Mm. And you're not, you're not getting any, you're not paying your bills. Yeah. So writing for your colleagues as opposed to writing for who you're serving, oh my God, I get that a lot, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it can be you can be a pretty huge turnoff for, for people coming in looking for help with their coat, help with their lifting. And they hear this language that just, it's incomprehensible to them. And they're, they're going to be like, well, am I going to feel stupid when I work with you? I don't want that. Yeah. I want someone to explain it to me the way I, so that I can understand it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's so true. Massive. <laughs> so good. I, I am so grateful for having you on. I've taken up, all of our allocated time i know you got lots of that went so fast oh my gosh thank you i love that yeah that was that was that was fire is that what the kids say it was a fire chat (laughs) fire conversation i don't know is is that what they say (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) fire emoji i know doesn't it feel like that it feels like that a little bit sometimes hey like you're like shit like am i yeah am i getting old like am i am i relevant anymore yeah i got the i got the side uh my hair is like side parted and i got the skinny jeans apparently that means i'm old i don't know i've heard on instagram or tiktok (laughs) (laughs) can't keep up oh my gosh no well thank you that was so lovely Yes, thank you so much. I really hope to meet you live, live sometime in Melbourne as well. That would be really cool. Yes, I know. We'll probably cross paths with some couple of comps um, yeah. coming up. I saw that you're doing, you're in APL now, yeah? Well, you've got some clients in APL? Uh, I, uh, APU, I'm looking oh, to do APU. APU, yeah. uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking to do APU going forward because I think that will be the best option for me considering oh. I can't exactly travel to Sweden on a regular basis just to do like local comps. Um, I think that will be really fun if I can. And if I do get to transfer, because it depends on what my federation says, the Swedish federation, I'll do a comp in July at Apex Strength. Oh, fun, fun. Okay, good. Well, maybe we'll cross paths soon. I hope so. I hope so. Good luck with everything. (laughs) It was wonderful talking to you. And and we'll chat soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.